This is a Hope 103.2 podcast. I'm Laura Bennett. Welcome to the Undistracted Podcast. Here, we are all about honing in on the things that we find purpose in and learning how to deal with the stuff that gets in the way. If you've missed an episode, go back, have a listen, dive into some of the wisdom we've been able to hear. And uh, don't forget to rate and review this podcast so that others can hear it as well. Today's guest is Ellie Holcomb and continuing with the theme of creativity that we've kind of been having over the season so far, and I'll tell you now, is continuing with our next couple of guests. Ellie is a singer and songwriter based in Nashville, Tennessee. She's a woman and artist I've really come to admire over the last few years as I've had different opportunities to work alongside her. And I think in this conversation, you'll appreciate why. Ellie shares how understanding grief and bravely facing some of the hardest parts of our lives can really bring rich, authentic and lasting joy. Ellie is someone who beautifully captures the journey of being human and wraps it up in amazing music. Her latest album, Canyon, is out now, which we speak a bit about, along with some of her biggest mistakes and what makes her really feel switched on to her purpose. are the things that when you do, you just feel so alive in and that you know are your things to be doing? Oh, love. I love these questions. (laughs) Okay. So uh, one of those things, I love writing songs. I love writing songs. I think it's one of my favorite things. One of my core values, I would say, in life is authentic community. And that's in my family. That's with my neighbors. That's in the context of faith. But it's very much so in the context of creativity. And so what I love about writing a song is that you come together with somebody that you may have known for a long time. But you also might be coming together with somebody who you've never met in your whole life. It's like a blind date. And then you literally show up and it generally writing a song a lot of times for me is a way to get to deep water in conversation mm. pretty fast and you kind of come together you usually share a couple of stories and it turns into this beautiful conversation which all of us know how to kind of cultivate conversation and what the difference between just a regular conversation and a co-write is you turn that conversation into something beautiful that you then create together. And so I feel I love writing for my own stuff. I write for TV and film and sync. And then I write for other artists. And in every scenario, I am like firing on all cylinders. I love it. (laughs) That thing of really like, you know, plumbing the depths of who we are and also doing that with another person. It's this picture of collaboration that a lot of us will step into in different ways, whether it's in the creative arenas or whether it's in a more corporate environment, everything in between. Collaboration is this really important thing and, you know, learning how to communicate with one another and bring each other's stories to life. When you've got to bring your passions to life with someone else. How do you do that well? Because there's two separate minds working there. There is. Yeah, I think, um, okay, so there's this rule in improv. I used to do theater in, um, in high school. And there is this beautiful rule in improv. You never negate necessarily what the other person said. The rule is yes. Mm. And, <laughs> and so um, I, I am very much, that's 
very much my personality. There are a couple different kinds of songwriters. One is uh, there's they're kind of editors. So they're listening for, for the thing that's like, that's the gold. That's the exact way to say it. Um, and then, and so I call the, I call the editors, the catchers, right. uh, like in a baseball, do y'all have baseball in Australia? A little bit, a little bit. A we little basically bit. stole it from you guys. Yeah. This is like a very, yeah. United States maybe vibe, but catcher. So they're, they're looking for the right pitch. They're looking for the right thing. And then you have pitchers who are, who are literally what about this? What about this? Mm. What about this? This melody, this image, this story. And I am more of a, a pitcher. And so it's really, and I, and you can get in a co-write with another pitcher and then you just end up writing like 20 verses and <laughs> three different choruses. And my friend, Amy, she is a songwriter, singer, Amy Grant. And she, she talks about listening. And I think listening is a really important tool to carry into a life, but be a co-write because there's all different kinds of listening. You can kind of listen to somebody, uh, you know, when you're in a room, she explains this to you, like you meet a room with a ton of different people and you're listening to the person in front of you, but you're also kind of listening for all the other things that are happening around you. And then there's the kind of listening where you're with somebody and you start to talk and you're just kind of sizing them up. You're like, are we on the same page with this? Do we agree? Do we disagree? Is this somebody that I'm going to like jive with or is it not? Mm-hmm. And she said, and then there's the kind of listening that's so <laughs> intentional uh, that you could sing that person's story back to them in a mm-hmm. song. And so I feel like when, just as a songwriter, I think especially when I'm in a mode of creating or a season where I'm writing a lot of songs, I become a better listener to my own heart, Mm. to the people around me, to the earth, to God. I I just, I think I... uh, a really good song will sort of uh, focus in. It'll help like adjust your vision or your hearing to hear something or to see something in a way that you've never seen it before. And so I love it when I'm in a season of writing because I feel like I pay attention better. Mm. And it almost sounds like it's kind of this really therapeutic experience because like you've said, you're going, you're going into some of those deeper places and really seeing what's there. When you're in that process of kind of trying to come back to the things that are really happening inside, what do you learn about yourself in that time? And why is that important for you to do? I think songwriting is, oh man, it's maybe like one of the most pleasant ways that I can think of if I'm going to have to plummet the depths, um, to do that in the context of getting to create something Mm. beautiful and to maybe find a way to sing my way through the sorrow. Mm. It feels like the most palatable way to process pain. (laughs) Um, but beautiful too, because I think it's, I think Jeff Tweedy says this, he's in a band called Wilco and he says, we go to concerts. He believes that we go to concerts to suffer together. Mm. And I think that's so interesting because there's something about music that um, I think that connects our stories. It connects the human experience, whether it's mm. whether that's sorrow, heartbreak, or like fireworks and love and beauty. Um, I do think we kind of go to be human together mm. uh, at a concert. And isn't that Funny because you think of all the people that are saying they miss live music, they miss going to concerts, particularly in this season, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, we miss we miss experiencing pain together. Then, and this we do. We've had to be experiencing pain alone, (laughs) and I think all of us are really ready to be like, hey, we're in this together. Mm, (laughs) So there are some things that 
maybe we experienced this past year, um, that, I don't know, a forced stop, a forced pause. One of the things that I did really miss, uh, which is clarifying for me because it's hard. It's hard to go on the road, uh, even though it's beautiful and amazing. There's certainly a both and aspect of that. Either having to leave your kids behind. For me, I got three kids and having to leave them behind, or it's a different kind of hard and wonderful both and of taking them on the road with you. There's some like logistical planning that happens with that. You're cramming them all into a bus or a van or a plane. Um, But I really missed attending live shows just as as fans in the audience, but also being the person on the stage carrying a live show. We miss that a lot. Yeah. And and when people are listening to your music, your husband Drew's music, particularly your lyrics, though, I think there's stories that you bring to life and these ideas that really resonate with people. And I think help help us walk through times where our minds are just all over the place. And you bring this lyric that's like, oh, yes, that's what I'm feeling. But I just couldn't articulate it. (laughs) You named it for me. (laughs) Exactly, right? And there's this, in in your new record, you've got some really important moments. And there's one that I want, I want to say it right. You talk about the stained glass church of ordinary life. And to me, that's, you know, what, five words that just open up this huge picture of the significance and the importance and the spirituality of our everyday experience. What is... What does that mean to you that we can have important moments, spiritual moments in just the mundane? I love that song, Color, so much. Um, And I think for me, there's been a shift. I'm a person who grew up sort of in, in the church in a spiritual, you know, religious environment. And there were so many beautiful things that uh, about that, but there was this sense of a separation from just life. And then church. Uh, you put on different clothes you know, to go to that place. And so for me, it has been such a beautiful thing um, to see the beauty, to see um, spirituality, to see even pain and lament be integrated into this sense of knowing that we are beloved. Mm. This idea that, that maybe if even if we're aware of it or not, that we all come from the most beautiful place of of love and and light, and that we're kind of in we're kind of far away from home, mm-hmm. but we all long to go back to that place um, where we know that we're beloved and where we know that we belong. And mm-hmm. um, I think I think that as I walk and and grow and learn and honestly grieve and lament, there is so much beauty. There's, there's sort of like a pulse of love that runs through everything that we do, even the dishes, the changing of diapers, the paying of the taxes, the rhythm of getting up and making our coffee. There is so much beauty to behold in these everyday mundane moments. And I think cultivating a spirit of gratitude, both in the beauty and and in the simplicity and in the mundane and in the sorrow and the pain that mm. that whole song kind of flips. Right. Uh, the first verse is like, who's worthy of the most beautiful things that you can think of and who's worthy of the pain? Because we know both as, as mm. humans and you experience both at a live show. Yeah. <laughs> Usually. You know, you're like, oh man, the rejoicing, the beauty, the fun, the mystery, the wonder, the excitement of being alive. And then the 
ache and the longing and the pain and the dreams that don't come true and the prayers that don't get answered in the way that we hoped. I, I think there is both and. And to me, I have encountered a presence of love and peace that doesn't make any sense in some of those sorrowful places Mm. and in some of the mundane places uh, that I just, I don't know, I kind of can't shake it and I'm really grateful. Yeah, and I think it permeates through everything you do as a songwriter, as a mom, and and in, in even just the words that you write in, as you share some of your own story. I feel like even if you're writing about the things that are difficult, you also show a joy. And even in the honesty of recording some of your uh, music videos for a track called Mine, for instance, where your kids, your family are involved in that. And you're like, guys, this looks beautiful. But just so you know, there were temper tantrums. There were all of these <laughs> moments of chaos behind the scenes. There's a truthfulness, but I still think a continuous joy. So what would you say allows you to kind of anchor yourself in joy in spite of all of the different things that swirl around us? Mm, I love that question. And I just, thanks for even saying that because I do think we see, we so often we're seeing an edited, filtered, I don't know, version of life on line on social media. And so I do long for that authenticity because we all know it. Mm. We all know it. And and so to acknowledge that, or at least it makes me feel a little more sane and, Mm. and hopefully it makes people feel less alone. Honestly, I think I learned, I went on a counseling journey, um, the past couple of years, sort of visiting some of the deepest pain and the deepest wounds in my own story. This is not my normal. I generally try to avoid pain like I was talking about before, but I, I realized I'd even addressed some of this, some of these wounds in counseling before I had never let myself grieve and I'd never let myself lament. And I think there's, I guess a part of me that was scared if I let myself just be sad about some of the wounds that I carry in my own story, some of the mistakes that I made, um, some of the painful, um, I don't know, some of the prayers that didn't get answered in the way that I wanted them to. Mm. If I ever went there and just let myself really be sad and let myself really lament and grieve, I thought it might kill me. Is that, I don't know if that rings true at all with you or if that's just my personality. I don't think any of us are like, ooh, pain. Um, But I did that uh, and let myself simply breathe in some of those broken places. And as I did that, uh, I, I encountered the nearness and the tenderness and the kindness and the empathy of God Mm. in those places. And um, I guess the reason that I can say that, or like, how do you know it was God is because I know in those places, I don't have anything within me. There's like no self-help book ever. Mm. I don't think that could provide or muster up or produce uh, this sense of peace that I felt even as I was weeping. Mm. I felt held and I felt this sense of this isn't the end of the story. And for my faith, I, that is like the most beautiful story I know. It's of God who wrapped himself in flesh and came down to the person of Jesus and was broken for us and, and went to the gates of hell and walked out of a grave. And so it's this story of love beating death. Uh, and so I think as I went to the places that I thought would kill me, Mm. um, 
which is really hard to do and takes some intention and some courage. But as I, I encountered um, a sense of peace and a sense of understanding that I was beloved, uh, even in those places. And so I think encountering love, um, in that deep place of pain personally, uh, it, it gave me the courage to a sing songs of sorrow, but to be uh, sing songs of joy. Mm. Cause it, it, there is this sense of knowing that, um, that whatever suffering we're in the midst of, it's not, it's not the end. Yeah. It's not the end. And what's so beautiful to me about the gospel is that uh, my friend Sandra McCracken says it like this. She says, in the end, everything will be all right. So mm. if it's not all right, it's not the end. So we can breathe through that pain. And, and I just made a whole record about this. I thought that was just in my own story, but I went to the Grand Canyon. I will never forget it because our guide was explaining the canyon walls tell a story. And it's really a story of like disaster on disaster on disaster and uh, landslide, mudslide, volcano, drought. But and then there's this huge divide. And that is especially after this last year just felt like that's what we all just lived through. That's mm. we, it was trauma after trauma, loss after loss racial tension and division, political tension and division, and, and this sense of feeling isolated and split apart. And so I'm like, we all know what it is to have our hearts break. Mm -hmm. to, to be human is to be broken. We know what it's like to have our hearts split open like a canyon. But there in the very pit of the canyon, in the deepest part of it, there was a river running through. And we, we, we actually went on the northern rim. We camped, went down into the canyon, rafted that river, camped on the riverbanks, and then rafted out, which was crazy. And I, I, just, I just thought, man, as it turns out, water always moves to the lowest place. Mm. It always does. We just had all these floods in Nashville. It, it goes to the lowest place in your house. And, and so does God. I think God moves to the lowest place. And I, I, you see it in the life of Jesus. He's bending down to spit in the dirt, rub it on the blind man's eyes. He's bending down to the woman who's been bleeding forever. He sees her in the crowd. She touches, she goes low. She touches the hem of his garment and he bends down to meet her on her lover. The woman caught in a dog. There's all these stories. And just the fact that God who made the universe wraps himself in flesh and puts himself in the arms of a teen mom. Yeah. I mean, it just is like that in and of itself on the wrong side of the tracks in a stable. I mean, I, I just, I love this sense that God moves low and there is a current. I really do believe there's a current of living water. There's a current of love that runs deeper than our deepest ache and pain. And mm -hmm. that will carry us when it feels like we can't carry on any longer. And when you look at a canyon, uh, it's, you know, it's like, I'm doing my hands like a V. Uh, I read a National Geographic article the other day, <laughs> that, uh, which is hilarious. I'm like, it. this is so crazy. I'm getting into it. But it actually is the shape of an upside down mountain. Mm -hmm. And so I think when I look back on my story, uh, it's not in spite of the deepest suffering and ache and pain in my life. Uh, that I believe in God. I think it's be, almost because of that, I, I feel like I've experienced 
um, a love and a peace that I know didn't come from me. Yeah. And it's it, in, in everything that you've said, I feel like there is such wisdom and I think there's such hope too, because it's almost like in going to this place that you felt would be painful in confronting some of the things that you've experienced in a really challenging way, you then found the perspective that's brought you joy and kind of given you that consistent ability to go, Hey, I know this piece and I know that it can kind of stay with me through everything. And I, can I ask you what you think some of the things are that were the mistakes you made? I mean, you, you mentioned mistakes you made and kind of getting through them. What do you feel like some of your mistakes have been yeah. along the journey? Yeah, I well, I did not, I grew up in the church and I did not know that it was okay to not be okay. I landed in counseling and I didn't realize this, but I just, um, I thought that I just had to be good. And then I had to love other people enough and love God enough, which really is like hustling for your worth, which is the antithesis of the gospel, actually. Um, that's the gospel's like God coming hard and running hard after us when we're running in the other way, spitting in his face. I mean, it's like, so I I had missed the the power of that story because I, I just thought I was supposed to be good. Mm. Uh, I was good at being good. And I honestly was kind of a liar. First to myself saying, I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm not gonna be sad, God's good. Mm. And it's like, God is good, but he doesn't tell us not to be sad. Mm. There's grief and lament all throughout scripture. I love the Psalms for that reason. Some of them end literally in utter, they feel hopeless. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't all tidy up with the bow and that is what it is to be a human. Mm. and. God can handle that. He knows it. You know, he, he was a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. And so I spent a lot of years pretending and, and sort of hiding behind this uh, half truth. Like mm. God is good, but I don't have to be okay all the time, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And so I uh, made that mistake. I found a lot of worth and identity and um, in relationships with God. So I had a lot of really unhealthy um unhealthy relationships. Uh, and I was in a really dark place. It was bad. And yet there in the midst of that brokenness, I encountered the tenderness of God. I had so much shame and uh, had had made decisions that I knew weren't healthy in relationship in, in that relationship. And I was just like, I should know better. I grew up in the church, you know, like I, I know better than to put this person above God mm-hmm. and to put my worth and identity only in this. That's not, this is not who I am, but God found me there. And, and he said, I, I love you even here. I, I, I know you, I see your worst mm-hmm. and I love you anyway. I would say those would be two huge ones. And then the third one that I think I've been unlearning is, is just this fear of grief and and Mm. lament. I just um, spent so many years. Brene Brown says it like this. She says, it's really hard to own the brokenness in your own story. And what's been so beautiful about learning to grieve my own story and then learning to grieve uh, I've been in a in a bridge builder group grieving a lot of the I mean the racial uh, trauma and uh, the prejudice and and the pain and the trauma that has happened um, in our country and not just in our country it's like a it's that's a, a global thing too yeah. but um, it has been it has been so beautiful to grieve that because as it turns out. 
uh, Jesus is a bridge builder and he invites us to join up with that current of living water, to be yeah. those molecules, joining up with that river water, running to the lowest places and bringing refreshment and hope and life. Mm. And we get to be, um, we get invited to be a part of uh, bringing about a taste of this one day home that where everything sad will come untrue. Yeah. And we get to kind of participate in that now. And I think as I've learned to grieve a lot of the sorrow that happens here and now in this broken world, I've seen more beauty, uh, which sounds crazy because I don't know, but there is this sense of like, we all experience that. We all know loss. And so as I've grieved that, I've still encountered love in those places. Mm. And, and now I'm getting to embody that in those places yeah. too. It feels exciting. I don't know. It feels like, oh yeah, there's a better day that's coming. Mm. And we get to be um, reflections of that here and now. Yeah. And I, re I really hope people are hearing in this conversation what I feel like is just so apparent to me, the importance of facing grief, walking through it and, and finding the peace in that for the person who wants to be living their richest life, sometimes facing grief that we've experienced is kind of the best way to do that. And I know we're running out of time and I, I'm hoping I can ask you two questions. One of those yeah. is about a grief that you talk about on your new uh, new song, Canyon, which I, it's it's kind of a grief, but it's not a dark song. Like I don't want to think, don't want people to think this is all heavy because your new album is actually just beautiful. But Canyon is this song that talks about the broken dreams. And as you've mentioned, there's the rivers that kind of run through our greatest mm -hmm. challenges, specifically for the person who has dreams that they haven't got there yet, that thing that they feel passion and purpose around maybe hasn't come alive in the way that they thought it would. How do you walk through something like that where a broken dream is is right there and maybe you're further down the line in life where you don't have that same amount of time to actually recover the time perhaps? How do you deal with that? Mm, that's so good. I, You know, I think for me, um, A, I just say I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, when I wrote that line for the dreams that never came true, I still have so many questions. Like I don't have answers to questions of why did you not answer that prayer? Like nobody should have to lose a child. Nobody should have to, um, walk through cancer. Nobody should, you know what I'm saying? Like there are, there are so many things or, or nobody should have to w walk through losing this business that they built during this pandemic. You know, I mean, that is, that's so hard. It's so hard. And so I guess I would just say, A, I'm sorry. And then B, um, I, I really do believe that you're not alone in that, in that sorrow. And, um, and I don't have answers for my story. I don't feel like I have answers for those dreams that didn't come true. Um, but I have found such comfort in a handhold in the person of Christ. And, um, and knowing that, uh, that even though I, I don't have all the answers, there is a sense of companionship and, um, and a sense of knowing that like that, there's this promise of a day when, when all the tears will be wiped away, uh, our suffering, it doesn't get the final word. And so knowing that there is a hope and, and pressing forward, I don't know, for me, I think we have a choice 
we can choose to despair, mm. you know, like we, we, we get to choose where we, uh, place our hope and our emotion. I mean, we, we get a choice, yeah. um, and how we respond. And so I think for me, um, you know, faith is, it's called faith for a reason. You can't be certain, you know, I may get to the end of everything, you know, this life is over and maybe I'm wrong about all of it. And I don't think that I am, but I could be. There's no way to know for sure. But I think for me, leaning into that story of love beating death, um, I don't know. I think there's something we become maybe who we're meant to be as we stand up in those stories of pain, understanding that even there we are beloved and we are held. Yeah. And there's a there's a sense maybe in when we ache and when we suffer and when our dreams don't come true um, that in some ways we're better connected to every other human on the earth. Cause we all know what that's like. Mm, yeah. And, and I think for me, the compelling thing about the story of, of Jesus is that we're also maybe better connected. Uh, even when we suffer, we're, we're even more closely connected to God's heart, which mm. broke for us. Um, so that we could know that our brokenness isn't ever the end of the story. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, I think I learned how to lament and grieve, but this record to me sounds, um, I feel like it, it's the record. It sounds more healed yeah. than ever before. And, and maybe even a little triumphant because I think what I learned is I learned to grieve in the valley or in the pit of the Canyon, but I also learned to sing there mm. as I encountered love, um, meeting me in those places and as it turns out, when you sing in a canyon, your voice echoes off of every single broken piece. And as it turns out, millions of people go to the Grand Canyon to behold the beauty of being split wide open. Mm -hmm. and, and I think in the hands of love, our brokenness can become these stories of love overcoming dreams that didn't come true yeah. um, and carrying us through. So, yeah. I mean, Ellie, you paint such a beautiful picture and I so appreciate you sharing some of your story with us today. And if nothing else, I hope that people will go and have a listen to your new record because it is beautiful and it really deals with so many of the important parts of life. But Ellie, thank you so much for joining us on Undistracted. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy to be with you today. Ellie Holcomb, ladies and gents, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Thanks for being part of it. Don't forget to rate and share this podcast with others and let me know what you think as well. You can email me undistracted at hope1032.com.au and for more Hope Media podcasts, head to hopepodcast.com.au. Until next time, enjoy living this undistracted life and I'll see you later. Bye. This is a Hope 1032 production. Thanks for listening.